RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Okay, the continuing saga of the aftermath of the court decision that the decision by Ashley Bloomfield at the time, the Director General of Health, to mandate fluoridation of 14 district council water supplies was unlawful because it didn't take the uh, Bill of Rights into account, continues, and maybe a win yesterday in Rotorua. Now, if you remember back uh, a few months uh, on the program, we had uh, Robert Lee Councillor uh, talking about his hopes um, in the run-up to that decision being made and what could happen after that. So there have been developments. Alistair Harding for RCR is in Rotorua. And you were at the council yesterday, Alistair. What happened? Uh, what happened was um, the very first question at the council meeting yesterday at 9.30 a.m. was Councillor Robert Lee asked the mayor, what are we going to do since Ashley Bloomfield's decision to mandate the fluoridation of the water supplies for Rotorua and 14 other councils around New Zealand? What are we going to do now? It's been found to be illegal. And um, the answer came back that all work must pause, all work must stop. Um, and it's a it's a big win for the opponents to fluoride and very exciting. And afterwards, after the meeting, I got to catch up with Robert Lee and ask him, you know, how did it go? It went very well. We've just had the mayor of Rotorua and the chief executive confirm that um, Rotorua will not be proceeding any further with the implementation of fluoridation. Uh, given the decision by the court that um, the directives are unlawful. This is a very prudent and sensible thing for the council to be doing and uh, I'll take my hats off to them for taking that uh, move. It's a natural move because uh, quite obviously the Director General would not be able to enforce the $200,000 fine and the $10,000 a day fine on the basis of an illegal order. So it's... um, 10, 10 out of 10 to the Rotorua District Council for taking this uh, right and proper steps. Do you think this decision will be heard in other councils around New Zealand? Well, it should be. It's, um, I guess it sets a precedent, but it, um, it's just simply the right thing to do in, uh, in light of a determination by the High Court that the directive is illegal. Why is it illegal? Well, the Director General of Health failed to acknowledge that his directive breached the Bill of Rights, in particular Section 11, which is uh, everyone has a right to refuse medical treatment. So the Supreme Court found in 2018 that the fluoridation of water supplies was a medical treatment. And uh, so this was being forced on the population and they don't have an option to refuse that medical treatment. So the onus is therefore on the Director General to explain why such a drastic measure is required in a free and democratic society. Okay, so is democracy working here? Is democracy doing its job? Well, it wasn't doing its job, but uh, we uh, we have the ability to challenge uh, decisions in New Zealand because it is a democracy through the courts. The courts have supervision of what councils do and what director-generals of health do. And uh, the director-general of health has now had a... Uh, stern telling off and he will be required to comply with the principles of administrative law and um, and with the Bill of Rights and uh, I think it's yet to be argued but the uh, precautionary principle in the Hazardous, Hazardous, Hazardous Substances Act 
Uh, so, so these are all uh, a range of legal options that lie ahead. So it, uh, it may not be, uh, this may be tied up in the court for many years to come, regardless of whether the Director General uh, issues fresh directives that actually do comply with the Bill of Rights. Okay, last question. Where does it go from here? What are the next steps? Well, um, Rotary Council has taken its step and marked its line in the sand. We're going to be a council that follows the law and acts lawfully. Um, it will be up to other councils to make hopefully a similar determination. Uh, it will also be up to New Health New Zealand to talk with the Director General of Health and see if uh, the Director General is agreeable to having his orders set aside. If not, that will be a further matter for the High Court to consider. Uh, I guess it's possible the Director General could consider appealing this decision. Uh, I would suggest good luck to him on that. It seems to me to be a very strong decision. There's a lot of uh, authorities in there that this is the normal practice in New Zealand, has been for some time, that um, decision-making bodies and decision-makers must consider the Bill of Rights and justify any breaches of those rights in a free and democratic society. So that's Councillor Robert Lee um, and your chat with him at the uh, Rotorua District Council yesterday, Alistair. It's only, it's a win, but it's it's only something on the way, really, at this stage, isn't it? Because um, as we understand it, the current Director General of Health could say, I've considered those things and still we're making the same decision. And technically, that has been considered as per what the yeah. court Certain. Absolutely, but you know this is this is democracy at work, right? Where what we're doing right here is the two sides are um, finding it, finding out about each other's different positions and so on. And the you know the first round went to the to the opponents of fluoride, where um, the high court found that it was an illegal order, that it was against our bill of rights, and now I suppose you know that's the, the crown is now figuring out what to do. And in this particular case, the Rotorua Council is pausing to make sure that it's not going to be breaking the law, that it is going to be doing what's right by the citizens of Rotorua. And I think one of the really interesting things that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks is to see what other councils follow that lead. What other councils hear this and decide to take the same action? Because as Councillor Lee pointed out in that interview, you know, it is the, it's really the only option is to pause at the moment, because if it's been found to be illegal, then they're putting themselves in an awful position if they carry on with it, decide to do it, and then um, all of this gets struck down. Well, it, well, it's it not only also makes you wonder because there are big fines involved, two hundred thousand yeah. and ten thousand dollars a day. What what are the status of those fines if you're going to? enforce them in this situation. In the Hawke's Bay, uh, the district council there, pretty sure it's the district council, have decided to go ahead regardless until they hear from the Ministry of Health. So the court yep. is sort of subservient to the Ministry of Health on this. So you can see there are different, differing views. Yep. Yeah, that, that's their view. But, you know, there's another, if we're talking about money, you know, you're talking about those fines, there's, a, there's another piece to be talked about there as well. And that is the costs of actually going ahead and doing it. You know, all throughout New Zealand, 
when the Director General, in this case it was Ashley Bloomfield, wrote to all of the different councils around New Zealand before he made his order, he asked them how much it was going to cost in capital works to get their water plants up to scratch to to provide the fluoride for their communities. And they all wrote back giving numbers. And since and so then when he gave the order, he sent out another set of letters. And in those, those numbers for the capital works were all in there. Now, right. if you go through all of those letters, it turns out that it came to over $14 million. Um, he announced at the time that it was $11.3 million he was putting putting forward towards this, which is quite interesting. He didn't actually count up the numbers in his letters. But uh. since then, the, 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 the amount that councils are spending on it has skyrocketed. So, for instance, in, um, in Whangarei, the costs have gone up over 200%. Yeah. So we're also talking about not just fines, but we're also talking about how councils actually stand to spend a lot of money on this stuff. And if it turns out it is illegal and um, the and, and the high court decision is upheld and the, the law is rescinded or, or whatever, um, this is a lot of money that councils are, are, are up to for spending, you know. Yeah, it makes you wonder why, and I, I get why they don't, but they could. Councils could, um, you know, bandy together and say, we're not paying any fines for anything. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. What can they do? There's well, nothing that can be done. Well, I do also think that, you know, the, the bigger picture here is is that this is a case of um, everybody's having the discussion that should have been should have yeah. been had before, if Ashley Bloomfield had not just decided to become a dictator on his last day in office, how do we explain that? Do you think, Alistair, with what you know? I think, um, you know, I've been making a a documentary about this for Reality Check Radio. Um, wow. We're about to launch it in the next uh, couple of weeks, cool. uh, so look out for that. The last thing we've got to figure out is um, we've got a few last things to figure out. But what um, what I've what I've discovered is that there are a lot of inconsistencies with what Ashley Bloomfield did. And it seems like he did do it in a rush towards the end of his tenure as director general. So it doesn't really surprise me that much that the high court did rule against them and that now councils are starting to pull back from this. How could you ignore though, the bill of rights? Surely you've got armies of people that tell you what you have to consider and the, I's dotted, T's crossed. Yet you you missed that one. <laughs> Come on. I think it's a, I think it's a comment on the government of that particular day, isn't it? I mean, they just spent the last three years ignoring the Bill of Rights over all of the COVID uh, legislation and all the actions that that went down over. Yeah, but that. there's a risk so, that the court could overturn your decision. Turned out that's exactly what happened. Not a good look. No, no. But again, is that why yeah. he did it on his last possible day in office? Perhaps. Okay. Shooting the gap. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And so um, um when, when is that um when will that uh, film be or doco be out? Just give us a uh, a bit of a ballpark on time so people can anticipate it, Alistair. So we're just finishing it up over this uh over the, the end of this week. And so I expect that we should be out um sometime next week. I I'm sorry I don't have an exact date for you yet. But um, it should be out next week or at the very latest the week after um, where 
the the show is it's all about we're going to be talking about issues that are facing New Zealanders. This first the first episode right. will be about fluoride. Yep. Um, an upcoming episode we're going to be talking about managed retreat. Um, what we're trying to do here is present all sides of the story. So yes, we can stand here and we can criticize Ashley Bloomfield, but you know what I'd really like this um, series to do with for instance, with the fluoride story, is that we examine, you know, what are the reasons that he decided that he wanted this to happen yep. in New Zealand? Yep. What are the reasons that people support it? As well as what the the reasons why opponents are against it. I think it's something that's missing from New Zealand journalism. We've gone through a period where journalism has turned into almost an abusive pastime where we just promote what the government says and everyone else be damned. Um, but uh, so we'd like to be able to show all sides, all perspectives, and that's what the, the show will be about. Fantastic. And We Came Here for Freedom? We Came Here for Freedom is still online at wecamehereforfreedom.com. <laughs> okay, um, what's, what, what's the counter at now, the view counter? Any idea? Uh, we're we're over a hundred thousand views over all That's the different cool. platforms, so we're we're very happy with that. But also, you know, um, as time goes by, we're also adding to the we came here for freedom dot com website right. with all the different stories, um, artwork, music, all the different things that came out of that Wellington protest. Because as time goes by, you know, people are softening to it. I I feel it. I um, it's a lot easier to tell people about it. You know. Yeah. Um, when you well, there comes to a the... point where it's you're not cool if you're against it. You see, yeah. Well, and and people are, and, in, and are people... starting to be intrigued now. Oh, okay, intrigued. Yeah, yeah. You know, but before I I always remember uh, going into a camera shop to get some some equipment after I came back from that and up in Auckland, and the guy said, "Oh, so what kind of films do you make?" And I said, "Well, I just I've just been uh, filming down in Wellington, making one about the protest." And he sort of looked at me like he was frightened, and he said, "Oh, that must have been intense," and then sort of scurried away. But uh, <laughs> these days, people actually ask you about it. You know, they say, yeah. "Well, what was that like?" And I think it's um, we're we're not far away yeah. from maybe having something like we came here for freedom get on get on the TV maybe for March the second. Well, maybe with a new broadcasting minister. Oh, that would be good. Whoever that might be. Well, I can honestly say, and I'm not paying in your pocket. I, I saw yours and I saw River of Freedom. I preferred yours. Thank you very much, um, Paul. I mean, we, it's hard not to to compare, but I don't. They, think they were we both really had compare. their both had their role, but I thought yours was more. It, yeah, it, it just agreed with me more. But I'm glad, you know, that River of Freedom was big as well because everyone needs to whatever way you get into this and view it is is a way. But you know what I'm saying. And and you know what, it, the River of Freedom has touched um, so many people. I've heard so many great um, reports yeah. from people all over who yeah, it's who cracked some hard nuts to crack. You know, it it, it has. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and you know what, um, I think River of Freedom, the way that Gaylene approached it, she told a she told the whole story. Yeah. I feel like maybe we came here for freedom was a little bit more about the emotions of it. And there's a place. Maybe that's why stories. it appealed to me more. And maybe I'm just an emotional. Yeah, you know, well, I think we all are. vulnerable <laughs> man. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, great to chat. Thanks for being at the Rotorua Council yesterday, and we look forward to um, hearing more of you and that work you described on RCR. Thank you very much, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan.
Reality Check Radio.